2: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. Week number 11 in the National Football League season and one week away from Thanksgiving in the world of college football. With that, I'm going to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, welcome back once again to the show, and I hope you had a good week last week in the world of football.
3: Yeah, we certainly did, Mark. Uh, The hot run in the playbook newsletter continues. We're basically in a nice five- or six-week period when it comes to the playbook newsletter selections. Totals tip sheet off another winning weekend as well, uh, 2 and one overall. And our service, we had a couple of big ones over the weekend that went nicely for us, our five-star over of the month in college football on Saturday. And then on Sunday, our four-star NFL game of the week was an under, and that was on the Patriots and the Tennessee Titans under the total. The final score was uh, a little head-scratching, but uh, the Tennessee Titans defense is legit. They held doing them to just 10 points, so a good weekend overall. Yes, indeed.
2: Well, it was a good weekend also in the world of college football, I guess, in the sense that there weren't that many upsets, the college football football poll rankings for the playoffs were not really uh, overturned very much. We have the same top five teams we had last week in the polls, and uh, with this week's college football card that I see on hand this week, we're going to talk about our featured college football game of the week. There doesn't look to be that many marquee games in the world of college football this week, and when I say that, I mean there doesn't look like there's the possibility of any of these top ranked teams going down this week, so it might be continuance of uh, the rankings remaining the same as they are. And, you know, with that, Victor, I'm going to ask you this question here. Is it time in the world of college football that we seriously start considering expanding the college football playoffs beyond just four teams?
3: Well, I'm on board with that. Uh, Absolutely. There's certainly enough talent in the world of college football for an eight team playoff. You know, there was uh, nothing in terms of uh, no teams moving up or down in the top ten Amongst the 11 through 20 range, a couple of teams made some nice moves. Penn State moved up six spots. A team I'm really impressed with is Iowa State. Nobody wants to play Iowa State right now. Uh, five straight Big 12 wins in a row. A rising star and coach Matt Campbell, a quarterback who turned down Alabama. Really impressed with what the, uh, Iowa State has done as a program. Uh, you still got a team with zero losses, however, Mark that only moved up one slot in Central Florida.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, I guess, discerning for Central Florida. The good news is that game day will be on location this week for their game on Saturday. That's always a big event, ESPN's game day at the site of a college football game. They'll be there for the Central Florida-Cincinnati football game. And the other downside of the matter is that they would be one of these teams we're talking about that would most likely fit into an expansion of college football playoff teams. And, uh, you know, the reason I'm mentioning that, Victor, is uh, I heard this on the radio. Brad Edwards, I believe, CBS Sports, this morning on my drive in, was talking about the fact that uh, it's only in the world of college football that you can find a team that wins every game they play every year for two years in a row and doesn't have the opportunity to win a national championship. And that might be, I guess, Central Florida's best argument. Uh, They did it last year. They look to be in that role again this year, unless obviously Cincinnati pulls the rug on them this Saturday. But, you know, the bottom line is uh, that would then open up the door for the likes of Central Florida. But until then, Victor, rest assured, you will not see Central Florida in the college football playoffs as long as there is a four-team playoff format.
3: Absolutely right. Let's bring on the eight teams. Definitely, like I say, we definitely have the teams to have a great uh, three-week tournament there between eight teams.
2: Yeah, we do. You know, So you know, we'll see what happens with Central Florida in their big game against Cincinnati this week. Like I say, ESPN game day being on the site there. Uh, we've called out this game in the playbook uh, midweek alert newsletter this week. There's some strong statistical facts that maybe support Cincinnati in the game, but it's also a different affair with Central Florida being the spotlighted, undefeated football team. And on the spotlight, Victor, I guess you can also say that the world of college football coaching changes is now evolving. Bobby Petrino out in, at Louisville. That's, uh, I guess, a two-team parlay. Petrino, Patino, both out at Louisville. Uh, my question to you, Victor, is what other coaches do you see that are currently on the hot seat and the most danger of not making it through at the end of the college football season?
3: It was pretty inevitable there in Louisville. You know, Vince uh, Tyra is the uh, uh, athletic coordinator, and he definitely pulled a uh, Michael Corleone and settled all family business. He whacked not only Petrino, but his son, quarterback coach Nick Petrino, his two son-in-laws who were on the staff, and even his right-hand man uh, as well for uh, uh, Bobby Petrino. Uh, A one-time offensive savant whose uh, talent perhaps allowed him more chances than most. But uh, things change. They become outdated in college football. Heisman Trophy winning star quarterback moves on to the NFL. Uh, Defensive coaching kind of becomes a mockery. And the next thing you know, there's basically nothing there. But uh, in terms of other coaches on the hot seat, I would submit Larry Fedora there in North Carolina. You know, he came on the board in 2015 when he took an 11 and one eighth ranked Tar Heel team into the ACC championship game and pretty much gave Clemson a run for their money in that game. But four and 17 now in the last two seasons, I understand there was injury related excuses during the three and nine uh, season last year. However, what they've won just one game this season. So he's got to be on the hot seat, Clay Helton of USC as well uh 20 and 4 his record with Sam Darnold as the starting qu- quarterback without Darnold 10 and a 9 of course he was that classic hire there in USC a promoted assistant who does just well enough to get the interim gig when Sarkeesian kind of imploded there and uh, therefore he gets the full-time job this season's basically been a, a almost a flop for USC and it kind of culminated last week what are they? Five and five overall. Four and four in the conference. Uh, they led fourteen to zero against Cal last week, and then produced only forty-one total yards in the entire second half, losing fifteen to fourteen. I would definitely throw those two in the hot seat market. I also also would put an asterisk next to my third guy, and it's not necessarily a head coach, but a defensive coordinator. And I think you'll agree with me on this one because you were on Virginia Tech on Saturday. And Bud Foster has been one of the greatest defensive coordinators in college football history. We all know that at Virginia Tech. He's the guy who basically bridged those two eras of the Frank Beamer and the Justin Fuente eras. But this is the worst defense he's coached in 24 years by a wide margin. They're giving up 31 points per game. That's number 88 nationally. They're giving up 447 yards per game. That's ranked number 105. And they allowed Pitt to rush for 492 yards last Saturday in that head-scratching loss.
2: That was after allowing Georgia Tech 465 rushing yards two games before that. So obviously there are defensive woes happening at Virginia Tech, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Bud Foster perhaps take the Frank Beamer route and retire at the end of this football season here. Like you say, he's a legendary defensive coordinator, but... The game appears to have gotten caught up with Foster and Virginia Tech and the Hokies. And if I circle back and throw one more coach under the hot seat, it might be an old standby. And it might not be justified. You might say Clay, Kelt- Clay Hilton might not be justified. You know, he's, the guys won, I think, is it 29 games in three years. But the bottom line here is they're not winning games that they're supposed to win in the fashion they're supposed to. The other guy that fits the same bill might be Gus Malzahn at Auburn again this football season here. It seems like almost every other year, Malzahn is on the hot seat, off the hot seat, on the seat, off the seat. And off the seat starting this year after the nice 10-4 and season last year made it to the Peach Bowl. But this football team, a lot more was expected from them this year. Uh, ch- expected to challenge Alabama actually in the SEC West. They got out to that 2-0 start. But since then, this team has lost four football games and is losing regularly in the stats as well. So I might throw a little bit more wood in the pile, if you will, at Gus Malzahn to see what happens at Auburn if they don't get this thing turned around, especially if they don't remain at least competitive in their season-ending game against Alabama. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things. And with that, a little a bit of an overview, if you will, from last week. I know all in all it was a pretty good week for underdogs in the world of the National Football League, and I think they're holding their own thus far this year.
3: Uh, they are a good week for dogs last week. Eight, five, and one ATS. Road underdogs hit at 67%, six, and three last week. So for the year, we've got NFL underdogs at what, 73, 64, and five against the spread. The top two situations. Dogs off their bye week have hit it at a 67% percentage this season. That's 8-4 and four ATS. You got a couple of those going this week. Also, division dogs, when playing with the confidence of a straight-up win in their last game, they're still holding strong at 11-4 ATS overall. That's 73%. We got two of those such division dogs going this week. Tennessee on the road against Indianapolis, of course, coming off that big, big win against the Patriots. And uh, the Vikings, plus the points against the Chicago Bears, uh, a team where you know the team has made it when their game gets flexed to Sunday night. Originally scheduled was the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game, but we know Jacksonville has kind of taken a step back this year. Chicago has not. And uh, what do you know? They're playing on the Sunday night game home against the Minnesota Vikings. And we even have some uh, interesting things in regards to... The email that was sent to us by Steve Crabb in regards to some of the notable offensive coaching changes in the NFL.
2: Yes, we do. In fact, you're talking about coaching changes in the National Football League, the big move at Cincinnati. Obviously, Tyler Austin, the defensive coordinator, out with the Bengals and rightfully so. You talked about Bud Foster, we did, and how that defense has really gone south at Virginia Tech. It's a mirror image going on at Cincinnati, the Bengals this season here. You go back and you look at this team, Victor, the last four games they played, they've been out-yarded an average of nearly 300 yards a game the Cincinnati Bengals have. So a change had to occur there, undoubtedly, on the NFL side of things. And our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado, sent us this email here and talked about the importance or the noticeable difference of impact that Coordinators have made offensive coordinators with teams in the National Football League. And to be specific, uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach at the Chicago Bears, an offensive coordinator before coming becoming the head coach. The Bears offense is up 13 uh, points per game this football season under Matt Nagy here. And you also take a look at the Rams, Sean uh, McVeigh, wow, What a great job that they've done at this football team plus 15.9 points per game, the former offensive coordinator, now with the Rams. And I guess another uh, look at uh, the Atlanta Falcons, if you will. They lost, if you will, Kyle Shanahan to San Francisco. And since they lost Kyle Shanahan to San Francisco, they're down 12.7 points per game. So it seems to be that the new wave in the world of thinking and coaching in the National Football League these days, is offensive coordinators to spark offenses. And with that, I'm going to pose this question to you: The Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield now their head now their quarterback of the future here and uh, a star in the making. What move do the Cleveland Browns make? Do they go to an offensive coordinator, or do they go to an old standby National Football League head coach that's been there, done that, and proved that? If you're the Cleveland Browns, Victor, what move do you make as far as that new head coach becomes?
3: I make the I make the former, the first one that you mentioned, rather than the latter. Take a lesson learned from the Chicago Bears of the world or the L.A. Rams of the world and bring in one of these young, innovative, offensive guys. Uh, in this week's totals tip sheet, I rattled off some of the top over teams, and the most surprising one of them all is the Chicago Bears at 67% over the total this season. Not surprising when you consider it's it's Matt Nagy who's made the bait big difference there they got playmakers on offense they use Cohen like uh, he used Tyreek Hill there in Kansas City uh, big time weapons outstanding uh, defense uh, a team that's in really really good shape moving forward and that's this season and in future seasons so find that young guy is there a perhaps a McVay brother out there that the Browns can uh, find to, uh, to uh, head, headline their program there
2: Do you mean like a Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, his former head coach? Yeah, who, by the way, uh, uh, our producer Jeff Gates just texted this to me while we're doing the show, that Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the Browns, is the only rookie in the National Football League with a 150-plus passer rating on 20 or more passer tips in a single game. Which just really uh, certifies the fact of uh, he is a star in the making here, and I would say that you know while I like Bruce Arians as a head coach and I think he would be a nice fit for the Browns, Lincoln Riley seems to be like he would fit uh, at the hip like a glove with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. So you know if something like that were to happen, I guess we wouldn't be surprised. Hey, don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to get into our college football game of the week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. We've got that coming up and a whole lot more when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's sportsdata university. Located at sportsdata.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread. On this week's College and Pro Football Cards and time for our college football game of the week. And as I mentioned at the onset of the show, there aren't many marquee college football games on tap this week. I don't know what happened while that hole fell into being, but bottom line is there are just not a lot of good marquee games. The most popular game, I think, this week will be our featured college football game of the week. And we're going to take a look at Notre Dame when they take on Syracuse at the Bronx in New York. Victor, your take this week on the Orange and the Fighting Irish.
3: You know, we're already uh, doing preliminary research for next week's playbook newsletter. That's going to be the big week in college football, the Thanksgiving weekend, the ton of games you see on Black Friday, great in-state rivalry matchups. I'm already licking my chops, looking forward to next weekend. But we're talking about Notre Dame and Syracuse. Now, there's this series of games being played where a college football game is played in a baseball stadium. It's been a popular thing now for a couple of years. Fenway Park's going to be hosting a game, an Ivy League game. We got uh, Yankee Stadium here hosting this uh, game between Notre Dame and Syracuse. Of course, we know that the Pinstripe Bowl takes place in Yankee Stadium. It has since the 2010 season. A little FYI the average point scored at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl has been 57 in the eight games thus far. But we're talking a regular season meeting Notre Dame, Syracuse, two very good offenses. The over underline is uh, moving around a little bit, open at 63. Uh, last night, Tuesday night, when I started our preliminary research, it was down to sixty-one and a half. As we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning, it's back up to sixty-two. You are starting to see a little bit of overaction come in on the game. Both teams come in with identical over/under records on the season: six and four. That's sixty percent over the total for the uh, Irish. Their average line fifty three point eight, average score fifty three point two, for the uh, Syracuse Orange, significantly higher lines and results. Their average line this season has been sixty seven point nine, their average score seventy two. So they've been gone. They've gone over by about five points per game on average. We will throw an asterisk in two of their overs were in overtime as well. But nevertheless, a a very, very good season there for Syracuse with their eight wins this season. They're number seven in overall scoring. They are averaging over 40 points a game, 44.4 to be exact. Not the best defense in the world either in the ACC. Number 97 in the country in defense. They are allowing uh, 430.3 yards per game. What I like about this game and why I'm going to be – Getting a little piece of the overaction is the fact that Syracuse comes in on a pretty hot roll as of late. Their last five games have gone four and one over under average margin plus 11.1 points per game. Eric Dungy is a dual threat guy, a very good quarterback, a very good rusher. He already has more rushing yards this season than last year. He has 12 rushing TDs. He's got 14 passing TDs. There you go. He's already accounted for 26 touchdowns on the season. Notre Dame, it's a tale of two quarterbacks their season, and that's, of course, uh, Brandon Wimbush versus Ian Book. And we're going to want to know for certain that Book is playing this week before we bet this game over the total. If you'll remember, we talked earlier in the season and Notre Dame's first three games of the season with Wimbush at the controls all went under the total. But since Ian Book has been named the starting quarterback, the Irish have gone 6-1 and one to the over in their last seven games. Now, I will say this. Book did not play last week in that win against FSU. Wimbush did play. He did have a decent game. He did turn turn the ball over twice, though. Uh, Book did not play with a rib injury. He likely will play this week. He's the number four quarterback. He's a difference maker. He has a rating of 170.0. And again, I am going to be going over the total, providing Ian Book is healthy and he does play in this particular game. Of course, these two teams played each other two years ago. It was at Notre Dame. The over under line in the game was 74 points. Final score was fifty to thirty-three. It did go over by nine points. I think you'll see a much closer game than people anticipate. Notre Dame is a 10-point favorite there at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think they do win the game, but maybe not by 10 points. Somewhere in the area of like a 38 to 31 game, a 40 to 34 game. Either way, I do like the value on the over. Again, don't pull the trigger though until you are confirmed that Book starts at quarterback. But, yeah, we should see a lot of points there at Yankee Stadium this Saturday afternoon, Mark.
2: Victor says you can book it if Ian Book plays. He'll go over the total in the Syracuse-Notre Dame football game this Saturday for his side in that big independent football matchup. This will be a matchup of two teams ranked in the top 12 in the current college football playoff poll ranking. Syracuse comes in as the number 12-ranked team in the college football polls this year. Quite a nice upstart season. By the Orange, you got to give credit to Dino Babers and the great job that he's done with this program since taking over. He's put them back on the map, if you will. Dino Babers in his career has been really outstanding in games against good quality football teams. He's 16-7 and seven against the spread when taking on greater than 600 opponents, including 8-0 oh, his last eight. He's also 7-3 and three to the spread in his career against undefeated football opponents. The Orange come in here having won four games in a row. They've been a dog three times this year. They've cashed as a dog all three times. Notre Dame comes into this contest here, the number three ranked team, as we all know, in the current college football playoff poll rankings here. Uh, Looking a lot like, I might say, that the 2012 Notre Dame team was that went on to a 12-0 football season when they lost eventually to Alabama in the BCS title game. Notre Dame seems to be have that take on that same appearance here this year, but they still got some work to do. They've got Syracuse this week. they got a trip at Southern Cal to end the football season here, about one game at a time for Brian Kelly here. We also know coming into this football game uh, with Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, is just 1-6 to the spread against greater than 750 opponents at this stage of the season from Game 11 on out. The Irish themselves have struggled in Game 11 on out against 750 opponents, winning just 4 of 13 games straight up on the scoreboard here. And the Irish have also struggled in games on neutral fields, just 1-5 to the spread. The bottom line to me... With this game being at the Bronx Yankee Stadium in New York, that site will favor Syracuse. I'm sure Notre Dame will have their fans. They travel everywhere with the Irish, but there'll also be a bunch of orange in the stands as well. The proximity of Syracuse to the Bronx in New York. The noose gets tighter and tighter for these teams to take away from home that are undefeated from game 10 on out. That's the role for Notre Dame, and I think they'll play like a team under pressure in this football game. Dino Babers won't quit from start to finish here. I'm going to grab the points with Syracuse against Notre Dame for my side in this big football game on Saturday. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL Game of the Week a Beauty on Tap between Philadelphia and New Orleans. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and get the Vegas vibe from Andy Isco. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: All new PlayBucks tokens are here. Only at PlayBook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free PlayBucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your PlayBucks tokens, you can use them for PlayBook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free PlayBucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit PlayBook.com and click on the tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new
4: Playbox tokens waiting for you at playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King. The NFL totals guru at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners.
2: Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. And what a beauty we've got on tap this Sunday when the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions, take on New Orleans in a big showdown game in the Bayou. Victor, your take on the Eagles. And the Saints this Sunday.
3: Yeah, the bar is set pretty high for us. Fifty-five. It opened fifty-four. It's gone up a full point to fifty-five with the Eagles and the Saints. Philadelphia four and five over under on the season. The Saints at five and four over under. And in terms of the Eagles, you know their offensive scoring is down this year. It's down a good six and a half to seven points per game despite the fact that their offensive yards per game is right around where they were last year. If you do like this game to go over the total, you're going to need a decent point total out of the Eagles, 26, 27 or more points on the road. And that's something that they have not done yet this season. They've not hit 27 or more points in a game. They did it 12 times last season in the regular season. But they've yet to do it this season. I think this is the game where they do get their offensive breakout performance. Uh, especially significant is the fact that, yeah, the Eagles are a very good home under team. But they have gone 3-1 to the over in their road games this season. The only road game that did not go over was that game against Jacksonville uh, 24-18, to the game that was played there uh, in London But they did go over the total on the road against Tampa, on the road against Tennessee, and on the road against the New York Giants. On the flip side of things, sharp over-under bettors already know that the best time to play a Saints over the total obviously is there at home in the Big Easy. Uh, They're the NFC equivalent of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you will. The best home-over team in their conference by far. Uh, even though they've gone 5-4 and over-under on the season, the Saints have still gone over the total by an average of 10.1 points per game. Their home games this season have averaged 67.2 points per game. This has also been a pretty high-scoring series as of late as well. Five out of the last six meetings have gone over the total. Average line, 47. Average score, 55.3 average margin plus 8.3 points per game. What I like about this game going over the total is that Philadelphia's best role in terms of overs is when they're catching points on the road as a road underdog. When they're a favorite game script or game flow kind of dictates that uh, they're not going to be playing from behind. They can run the ball a lot more, but when they're an underdog on the road, it's implied that they're going to be playing from behind. And that's where Carson Wentz uh, really does very, very well. In fact, in the last three seasons, the Eagles have gone 11-1-1 as road underdogs. The average game has gone over by plus 7.3 points per game. Again, the, the, the thing that concerns me is the fact that they have yet to get to 27 points this season. They did it a lot last season. However, with that said, I just started to scratch the surface a little bit in regarding some of our situations out of the database that apply to this particular game. Uh, The fact that the Saints scored, what, 50 on the road, and before that, they scored, what, over 45 points. Here you go, all time in our database, Mark, NFL home teams who have scored 45 or more points in each of their last two games like the Saints have gone nine and one over under all time in our database. What I also like about this game potentially going over the total is the fact that it's a very big role change for Philadelphia. They were a touchdown favorite last Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys, a game that was kind of surprising in that they allowed 27 points to one of the worst offenses in the NFL and at home to boot. I thought that was a little bit revealing. But anyway, they go from a seven-point home favorite to a big-time underdog this week. The last time I looked, they were getting nine points on the road in this game against the Saints. That's a big-time role reversal. It's also a good indicator of a high-scoring game. Since the 2012 season, NFL dogs of seven or more, who were a favorite of seven or more in their last game, have gone a perfect 9-0 and oh to the over when the over-under line falls in the range of 39 to 57 points. That applies in this game. I'm going to be using this game over the total. It might be as a three-star play in our service. It may even be as high as a five-star play. Either way, we're liking it. I think Philadelphia gets that breakout game. I think the game's going to be a little closer than people think. Maybe a little bit of a letdown for the Saints coming home off that Cincinnati win last week. Either way, I think we see a shootout in the Big Easy this week. I'm leaning toward taking Philadelphia in the points. But, yes, Mark, we will be going over the total.
2: Victor sees a shootout in the Rams. i mean, make that the Saints and the Eagles football game this Sunday. He goes over the total in that contest. And be sure to check out his King Creole sports service this weekend to find out where it fits in his service plays this particular weekend. As well, the Philadelphia Eagles come in as the defending Super Bowl champions, as we mentioned, with a dismal four and five record on the football season here. Not good news for them, but good news in the fact that defending Super Bowl champions have been outstanding in the role of underdogs. They seem to play with the chip on their shoulder when they're getting points in football games. They've gone 52, 37 and four against the spread all the way back to nineteen eighty including 17-8-2 when they're coming off a straight-up favorite loss, as they are in their last football game. And in fact, defending Super Bowl champions, you talk about their good roles, what they've done here, as dogs of more than five points. How about 13-7 and seven to the spread? This will be the first time this year that the Philadelphia Eagles will be an underdog in any game they've played so far as well. So I would imagine they might be highly receptive to being the underdog in this particular contest here, the New Orleans Saints, high flying for sure, number uh, one seed right now in the college or in the playoffs. If the playoffs were to begin, I should say number two seed in the NFC behind the Rams are the New Orleans Saints. They come in here with an eleven one spread mark in games after taking on AFC opponents. But remember this: that. They've been at home 12 times in non-division games after scoring 40 or more points. The Saints are just 2-10 to the spread in those kind of come back to -to down-to-the-earth norm, return-to-the-norm type situations for New Orleans. And they've also been favored by more than five points, only two games this year. They've lost the money in both of those football games. I think the bottom line to me here is this stat that comes from the Playbook Football Newsletter this week. It's our incredible stat, and it is indeed an incredible stat. You take a look at defending Super Bowl champions when they are road dogs against opponents that have a win percentage of 825 or better. They are 13-1 and against the spread in this particular role. I think this is the role the Philadelphia Eagles will step up, stand up, and finally perform in this game. I'll play Philadelphia plus the points from my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you this 2018 football season?
1: Well, Mark, good morning, and it's been uh, a crazy season. We had a few weeks uh, ago where the uh, uh, the betting public got the better of the bookmakers this past weekend. They didn't get it all back, but they got a lot back with a lot of those upsets, and that's normally going to be the case. Of course, the big news out here is the cold weather. We've had frost warnings the last few nights, so if there's any indication that we're getting closer towards the climax of the season, uh, we can feel it every time we walk outdoors in the mornings now, but uh, it's been an exciting season as it as we've detailed over the past two months, and the best part is yet to come, and we'll see what happens in that big game Monday night that's been moved from Mexico City to Los Angeles, the game that really everyone's been anticipating um, since really the end of September when it became very clear that Kansas City and the uh, Los Angeles Rams were perhaps teams of destiny. Will this be a preview of the Super Bowl? Who's to say? And of course, in college football, uh, it's uh, pretty nice having this stage of the season, Eight teams still undefeated.
2: Yeah, it sure is to see that, Andy, here it makes for competitive football in the NFL and I know all eyes will be glued. Monday night to that big showdown, as you mentioned, between the Chiefs and the Rams. Normally in this spot, we would be visiting with Andy and talking about the results of the Superbook and the Golden Nugget contest, but there's been a few computer glitches from Andy along the way this week, so we'll resume that next week on the show for our listeners out there. We'll get back to the contest results in Las Vegas with Andy next week, but in the meantime, Andy... Your football newsletter this week, uh, you you hit on something that I know is close to Victor's heart, and that is the uh, National Football League where uh, you did a review, if you will, on the key numbers in National Football Leagues from a perspective of NFL football totals and what they mean, and you went back to 1981 and ran some results all the way through 2017. I'm going to let you and Victor take this portion of the segment over, if you will. If you want to touch on that, Andy, you're taking your perspective on NFL football totals and the key numbers where they exist today.
1: Sure, Mark, and this is uh, what you refer to as part of. I think it's a two or three-part series that I do each year, where I update the information as far as a historical study of totals, key numbers. You know, we have key numbers like three, seven, four, ten, etc. As far as point spreads go, but there are also key numbers as far as totals go. And of course, over the past several decades, totals have become just as important and uh, just as much a part of the handicapping arsenal as have been sides. And so each year I present the study. I updated the numbers don't change all that much over the years. Uh, The the setting of totals has changed, especially in recent years with the high scoring environment we've encountered, but it's still important to keep in mind these uh, key numbers as far as totals go, insofar as uh, looking for the best number and looking to avoid certain other numbers when looking to play totals. And I know Victor will have a couple of of questions and comments, but for example, just uh, uh, one number in the NFL that comes up very frequently, even these days, is the number Forty-one—that's such a key number as far as NFL totals go. That you know, if you're going to play over, look to play over forty and a half, not forty-one and a half. And if you're looking to play under, for example, and that number's right around forty-one, look for a forty-one and a half to play under, not a forty and a half.
3: Right. My comment is that 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 forty-one is such a key number when you uh, look at the possible scoring combinations in which exactly forty-one points can occur like a 24 to 17, like a 21 to 20. There are multiple uh, scoring combinations in which a game can fall directly on 41, which is why it is such a key number. And it's a number you should, as you mentioned, Andy, consider buying on or off of 41. Uh, Lately, 51 has been a key number as well. Also, take a look at scores like 27 to 24. Uh, in which a number like 51 can appear. Uh, while I'm in here, I wanted to ask Andy what he, was his opinion on this big game you just touched on, Andy. It's People are calling it the Super Bowl of Week 11. It originally was going to take place south of the border there at uh, the Estadio uh, Azteca in Mexico City. Of course, on Tuesday, the NFL announced the field is not in good condition. There's been soccer games, there's been a Shakira concert, uh, there was close to being a player revolt in regards to this game, cooler heads prevailed, they've moved it to L.A. My question to Andy is how has uh, the movement of the game back to L.A. impacted the point spread in the game and the over-under line of the game?
1: Well, interestingly enough, the over-under line was not affected at all. And I know that there are a lot of people who were aware of the conditions and played under based upon the, the uh, expectation that the game was going to be played in Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. The total opened at 64 and was bet down to 63.5 when the game was initially posted with expectation that it was going to be played in Mexico City. In that game, the uh, uh, the, the were a a two-and-a-half point favorite on that neutral site. When the game was moved on Tuesday, when the announcement was made and the line came back up again, the Rams were made a a three-and-a-half point favorite, which I guess a little Bit of surprise that there was that little of an adjustment. Maybe it had to do with some of the factors surrounding the site in Los Angeles, with the wildfires and the uh, the effect on the air quality, etc. Maybe the effect uh, that it might have as far as attendance goes, as far as people with having other issues to deal with much more important than attending a football game. And uh, in any event, it seemed to be a very small adjustment. We have seen a lot of floors pop up. I'm actually seeing in some cases three and halves predominate uh, but i'm also seeing threes actually in a couple of places as well the total which uh, when was reposted was reposted at 63 and a half i'm seeing a couple of 64s out there i'm seeing 63s and 63 and a half so that seems to be the number where it's going to set in and uh, when i did a little research i went back through this database and mark you may have done the same this is the highest total i've ever seen there have been a handful of, of 60s and 61s but nothing uh, I did not find right. anything above 62 in my database.
2: So it does appear to be the highest total in our database, Victor, that I saw right, going backwards. Right. And it looks like uh, this number is going to grow, I'm going to guess, just given the fact, guys, am I right or wrong, that the game moves from Mexico City to Los Angeles. And I think this total might end up growing. It might, we're probably going to go there anyway, but I think now that the game's not going to be played on that questionable playing surface here, we might even see a higher total comes come uh, Monday night in this football game.
1: The public is still going to back uh, the high-scoring game because they remember the highlights. And you'll be seeing highlights all uh, the time leading up to the game of all the big play capability of both of these teams and comments about perhaps, especially on the case of the Rams, the difficulties that they've had in recent weeks defensively. And I wouldn't be surprised if this number uh, does at least at some point reach 64 and maybe even edge a little bit higher. The wise guys, the professionals, are going to look for the value in this game and recognizing that it is – Uh, such a high total, a record-setting total, they will be coming in on the under. But that movement may come very, very late once the public has spoken and pushed the number up to its uh, probable maximum limit.
2: We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And by the way, guys, you want to pick up a copy of his football newsletter this week, which delves into his perspective on the key numbers involving NFL football totals. It's a two-part expose. You can read part number one in the TheLogicalApproach.com football newsletter this week. And Andy, uh, before we get to your Pick your uh, play on this week's card in the National Football League. I know there were some line moves that were sent out by Jay Cornegay last week with regards to the games in touch this week, and some of those lines and maybe how they've moved. I don't see a lot of them that are major moves, but all in all, your assessment on the moves from last week to this.
1: Yeah, there really weren't very many moves. We'll talk with the, uh, the Thursday night game, for example. Green Bay at Seattle, the uh, send-out line last week, the line you could bet prior to last week's games, had Seattle a two-point home favorite, and following the results of this past week, there was a very small adjustment, and we've seen very little movement in the first few days following it. The line was posted with Seattle two-and-a-half, and I guess I'm sort of uh, uh, surprised that we've not seen that line actually move up to three. If the linesmaker was going to make you pay an extra half point, to back Seattle following the results of last week when Green Bay had a a somewhat easy time, maybe a little bit misleading as far as the ease with which they defeated Miami. They covered the game, but it took scoring in the second half to break that game open. And, of course, Seattle uh, playing that great game against the the Rams. I would have thought we would have seen either a three-posted for that game or perhaps the line move up from two-and-a-half to three, but we haven't really uh, seen that kind of move. We did see an adjustment in the Carolina-Detroit game last week. Carolina was just under a field goal, a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Detroit, and following last week's games, uh, Detroit uh, pretty much a no-show in their contest against uh, uh, Chicago, uh, which is an interesting scheduling dynamic as well. They're going to play again on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Carolina was bumped up to a a three-and-a-half point favorite. So they did cross that key number of three. That's been bet up further from three-and-a-half to four in several spots. Uh, Dallas's uh, win uh, Sunday night over Philadelphia, combined with Atlanta's performance over the weekend, this line, which had been four-and-a-half last week, actually opened at four-and-a-half favored by uh, Atlanta. Uh, They took the game off uh, Sunday night, and when the game came up again on Monday, Atlanta was down to a a three-and-a-half point. My favorite. That move uh, is uh, or that is just somewhat surprising. Uh, we don't have any number in the Cincinnati-Baltimore game as of yet, as of midweek. Questions about Joe Flacco and his ability to uh, be available for uh, the game against uh, Cincinnati this week. Of course, Baltimore off last week it could mean Lamar Jackson, the rookie from Louisville, uh, could see some playing time here. Uh, however, I will point out that the number last week, before there really seemed to be any uh, thought that there would be an issue with Joe Flacco, or they wouldn't have put a number up last week, as they often do in our situations. We've seen that with the Miami quarterback situation in recent weeks, where they did not advance lines up. Baltimore was a a four-and-a-half point home favorite against Cincinnati. If Flacco is going to be the quarterback, I imagine we'll see uh, probably not much of an adjustment, if, if any at all, given the uncertainty as to how long he would play in the game. However, if Lamar Jackson is somehow named the starter and Flacco is considered out, we might see this number go down to perhaps even just a field goal. Uh, Minnesota and Chicago. Not much movement in that one at all. There was movement in the Philadelphia-New uh, Orleans game. One of the uh, let's call it the second fiddle of uh, marquee matchups this weekend, second to that Kansas City-LA uh, Rams game uh, last week. The Saints were a six and a half point home favorite over uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who of course lost on Monday night. Meanwhile, in what was a perfect letdown spot for the Saints last week in Cincinnati, it wasn't a letdown. We saw we saw a beatdown as they made a state. In walloping Cincinnati. No surprise then that when the line came up, they opened it up with a solid a wall of seven point favorite, which has been further bet up to uh, an eight point favorite. Uh, we've seen other adjustments as far as the Houston Washington game. This might be the biggest one of the week. Last week, this game was a pickup. The Texans on their bye week, the Washington uh, Redskins involved last week in the, uh, not one of their better efforts of the season. Uh, this game was pick. When the line came out, Houston eight a three-point road favorite, and that line has uh, vacillated between three and and two-and-a-half. The Giants, another one. This has been a very slight move uh, following the Giants' uh, win Monday night in San Francisco. Last week, the... Tampa Bay Bucs were a one-point road favorite. Uh, Now the Giants a a one-point road favorite. That game opened at Pickham on Sunday and then opened with the Giants a one-point favorite on Tuesday following uh, their win on Monday night. No change in the game between the Denver uh, Broncos and the L.A. Chargers. That game a solid seven. Oakland at Arizona, a game that uh, did have a surprising line move and probably more against uh, Oakland following yet another bad effort. They played better against uh, the Chargers. They just weren't able to convert scoring opportunities. Last week, Arizona, uh, two and seven. Arizona, three and a half point. Uh, excuse me. Uh, last week uh, they were a three point favorite. The line came out this week uh, following Oakland's loss. Arizona, a three and a half point home favorite. That's been a bet up as high as four and a half. One uh, Rogue Place uh, has actually five and a half on Arizona. So uh, I don't imagine we'll see a lot of betting action in this game. But nonetheless, uh, there has been more anti-Raiders. Sentiment. Of course, one of the big games also this week, not as attractive as we thought it was, but you see it's going to be flexed out of the uh, uh, the Sunday night position. Uh, that playoff revenge game, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. We all remember the beatdown that Jacksonville put on Pittsburgh, eliminating them from the playoffs last year. Last, uh, last week, Pittsburgh was a three-and-a-half-point uh, road favorite. Surprisingly enough, that's where the line was posted again on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, and that line has moved up to Pittsburgh being a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. And, of course, we talked about the game between Kansas City and the Rams neutral site favorite over the Chiefs. As I mentioned earlier, when that line uh, came up on Sunday afternoon before any of the uh, situations uh, developed, the Rams actually were a slight tick down. They opened as a one-point neutral site favorite, got bet up to two-and-a-half, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. And, of course, that adjustment now, now that it's in L.A., represents a a two-and-a-half point adjustment on the part of the bookmakers who opened the Rams one in the neutral site, opened them three-and-a-half when the game was moved, but in reality, just a one-point adjustment from where the betting action was, as the Rams were two-and-a-half-point neutral site favorites. They opened as three-and-a-half-point neutral site favorites, so considering all the information uh, from last week where the game opened and where the initial line movement went, the odds makers made just a one-point adjustment, you could argue. Uh, there is, I see, a situation of one-four out there, a couple of threes, as I mentioned before, but largely three-and-a-halves in this much-anticipated Night matchup.
2: A review of the line movements in Las Vegas from last week to this, with the biggest line movement talk being about that Monday night football game between the Chiefs and the Rams from our friend Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before we let you go, off to the wars this week. If you would, our listeners out there would love to know your complimentary play on the NFL card this weekend.
1: Well, I'm going to take a look at uh, one of those totals that uh, we were talking about. It's a game that's somewhat above and in between a couple of key numbers, but I'm expecting to see the defenses predominate over the offenses. And that's the game between the uh, Houston Texans and Washington Redskins. And important for both teams who are in contention and in control of their respective divisions. The AFC south for Houston, the NFC East for Washington. I'm showing a pretty solid total of 42-and-a-half in this contest. And I'm going to look for this game to stay under that total of 42-and-a-half as Washington, uh, they gave up a lot of yards, but didn't uh, surrender uh, many points last week, just giving up a field goal despite allowing 501 yards in that win at Tampa, in which they only scored 16 points against one of the league's worst defenses. And Houston has been solid, really, over the past five to six weeks since they started 0-3 and then have won six straight. It's been a combination of both offense and defense. I do think Houston will have some issues moving the ball against what's still a pretty good Washington defense, and at the same time, I think the Houston defense will make for this to be a very competitive game. I'll look for this game to stay under the total of 42-and-a-half.
2: Andy Isco goes under the total in the Houston-Washington game for his complimentary play on the card this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show, as always. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I wish you the very best of luck this week.
1: Thanks, guys. The computer issues appear to be resolved, and uh, we should be back with the normal extended format next week as we prepare for our Thanksgiving dinner.
2: Hey, we'll look forward to Andy. Best of luck this week, as always. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away. When we come back, Victor and I will put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week in our complimentary plays. We're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread in just a minute.
0: you need guaranteed that's mybookie.a as in apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at
4: mybookie.ag.
0: sign up today
4: and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week
2: all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in college football this week. We call it 5-5 five and five and still alive. And what we're looking to do is to play in an any 5-5 five and five college football home team in game 11 of the season. If they're playing with revenge and facing an opponent coming off a straight-up underdog win. These are key critical games for 5-win teams in game 11 of the season. They seem to play extremely well with revenge, catching opponents that are satisfied off upset wins, they've gone 12-2 against the spread in this role since 1980. That's an 80%, 86% winning angle. And with that, we're going to be playing on the Minnesota Golden Gophers for our 5-5 five and five and still alive awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would let our listeners know what you've got on tap this weekend and your complimentary play on the card this week as well.
3: Can do. You know, last week it was the five-star college football game of the month, a over the total. It was a winner. And it looks like we've got a double whammy situation going this week. I know Mark already has his five-star NFL game of the month. I'm assuming it's going to be a side play, perhaps an underdog. We'll also have our services five-star NFL game of the month. It's going to be an over-under selection, and it'll be available at the playbook.com website on Thursday. For our free play, we're going to the lead selection in the totals tip sheet. And Andy took away a little bit of our thunder, but I guess great minds could think alike because we're going under the total in that game that he just talked about. The Texans and the Redskins. What have we learned after 10 weeks of the 2018 season? Both of these defenses are legit. And of course, neither one of these passing offenses are what you would call prolific. It's the only game on the Week 11 schedule featuring two of the top seven scoring defenses in the league. Washington's allowing only 19.4 points per game on the season. Houston, 20.4 as well. On defense, Houston has allowed 17 or less points per game in four of their last five. And, of course, four of those five games went under the total. The same case goes for the Redskins. They've allowed 17 or less in four of their last five games, which have gone one and four over-under. Andy just touched on the fact that Washington allowed the number one offense in the league to just three points, and they had difficulty scoring against that poor Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense. We know Washington has got some major injuries on their offensive line. Some of their key offensive personnel have been injured all season long, Points have been few and far between for this Redskins team. Out of our database, uh, one more thing I want to add is in regards to the Washington offense is that you know Washington has scored more than two offensive TDs in the game. The last time they did that was way back in week three. We're talking a two-month period now in which they have not scored more than two offensive TDs. Uh, As far as Houston, they're a much better team on the road in regards to their defense and a much poorer offensive team on the road. They've scored greater than 20 points in just one of their last 10 road games dating back to last season. We know that uh, in this game, Houston is a short road favorite. They are playing after their bye week. NFL road favorites after their bye week have gone 1-12 over under if their last game prior to the bye week was also on the road. And that was the case as Houston beat Denver on the road in the mile high city just prior to their bye. Uh, The Redskins, of course, with them allowing three points last week against Tampa, the database tells us that in the last three years, NFL teams who allowed three or less points on the road in their last game have gone a perfect 0-9 over-under in their next game. And Washington, yes, they've scored 16 and 14 points in their last two games since December of last season. NFL home teams have gone 1-15 and over-under after scoring less than 17 points in each of their last two games. I'm with Andy on this one. The line is currently 42-and-a-half. Houston and the Washington Redskins under the total. That's our free play of the week. And don't forget that five-star NFL over-under selection will be up at the playbook.com website sometime on Thursday.
2: Victor, along with Andy, both like the under in the Kansas City-Houston game for their complimentary plays on the show this week. And before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that there's still time to score $100 in free playbooks tokens. You can do so. Check it out now online at playbook.com. If you're not registered to the site, you can do so now. And we'll put $100 in free playbooks tokens into your account Check it out at playbook.com on the Get Tokens link. Also big news this weekend, along with Victor's five-star NFL over total game of the month, play, is going to be my five-star NFL game of the month. It's a big five-star weekend at playbook.com. The playbook experts for myself and Victor as well. You can pick up my five-star game online at playbook.com or part of another $99 football weekend of winners by calling me toll-free to get on board now at one 800 321 77 77. My complimentary play on the football card this week. We're going to go inside the Big 12 Conference when Iowa State travels to Texas to take on the Longhorns in a big showdown game. Iowa State goes into the game with 76 yards per game, the better defense in this contest here. Head coach Matt Campbell's been outstanding in his career as a conference dog, going 11 3 against the spread when taking points. The Texas Longhorns are another team that are cracking under the pressure here of late. They've been outgained in 4 of the last 5 football games. They're just 0 and 4 against the spread when they're going into conference revenge. They beat Iowa State last year 17 to 7 in that football game despite the fact they only put up 312 yards of offense. It was three huge turnovers that did the Cyclones in in that football game. Texas has also lost the money the last four years in a row in their final home game of the season. Their head coach, Mark Herman, to me is a lot like Skip Holtz, the head coach at Louisiana Tech, a great underdog and a lousy favorite. Herman, as a favorite, in conference games is just 4-12 against the spread of his last 16 games, laying points in the Big 12 Conference and when he was with Houston as well. I'm going to grab up the points with the revenging Cyclones at Iowa State for my complimentary play on the show this week. And with that, that puts the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco, joining us from Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence, reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as
4: always.